Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. And I'm John. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look back at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, but we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. friends hey hello friends hey bonds or amigos that's not the right thing i don't know greetings to all greetings to our friends in australia our loyal listeners out there Good we day. love you guys yeah we, we hope do. you like this movie as what as much as we do and don't find it like tedious yeah that's a great point yeah we hope you're not tired of it um because it's great and and it makes all of us it endears australia to all of us in a good way the same way that um, it endears China to us, if you like blood sport. I don't know. I don't, <laughs> sure. As anything. It endears rafting, if you like deliverance. <laughs> yes. No, um, uh, that's so awesome. We're here to talk a little bit more about Crocodile Dundee, a well, personal is, favorite of both of ours. This is the last time we're going to talk about the it. Final countdown. <laughs> um, and greetings to all listening on the Last of the Action Heroes podcast network. If you enjoy the Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger uh, shtick, check out our own Six Degrees feed. We've got some old stuff there that is not on the podcast network that you might like. Uh, we're working on getting it on the podcast network yeah. sooner or later. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're listening to us on our own feed, thank you, thank you. And check out the podcast yeah, guys, network because there's all types of cool shit happening over there for people who grew up watching these awesome eighties and nineties, like shoot 'em ups. Yes. Um, we, and we must talk about them to preserve history. Yes. <laughs> so I will catch us. No up. one will remember crocodile Dundee. If we don't never, <laughs> it's dead to me. Oh no. Um, no crocodile Dundee fucking awesome movie. Uh, this, uh, yeah, it's been a joy to revisit this. It's guy. got the simplest of plots. It tells a simple story. It's been told before. It has. Um, yeah. Exactly. Fish out of water type shit. But no, we've got Sue Charlton, New York journalist. She's gone to Australia to do a story about this sort of urban legend type tall tale yeah. shit about this man, Crocodile Dundee, who miraculously survived a crocodile attack. Uh, she goes there. She meets him. She's charmed by him. She oh. invites him to return to New York with what? her to uh, put a nice bow on the story that she's doing about him like what to is it make like her boyfriend jealous i yeah. mean she yeah she is she's got a pretty serious boyfriend in new york named richard who's also her editor boss. yeah um yeah it's complicated uh <laughs> to say the least right so she brings dundee to new york shows him around he makes friends right away but he's also like not used to all the hustle and bustle of the right. big city uh Saves her life at least once. Makes a big impression with the New York socialite crowd. Yeah, he like fits in in a dive bar in the East Village. He fits in in an art scene party like on the Uptown, Upper East Side yeah. or whatever. Um, making all types of friends. Uh, the big issue is Sue has fallen in love with him apparently. While she's still with Richard who she's yeah. quote in love with. So when we last saw them, he saved her from a mugger. In the iconic, that's not a knife, that's a knife scene. True. They had a big passionate kiss. Uh, Sue's life has gotten a lot more complicated. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's where, where, we where we're up. at. Well, if you remember Crocodile Dundee like we do, and we do, then uh, you're excited about this last bit. So that last scene was the scene that, as we were talking about in the last episode, that you've quoted with all your friends when you were 
seven and all your, <laughs> yeah. your drunk uncles at Thanksgiving. So the morning after that incident, Sue's and Mick's passionate kiss we're talking about in the subway station. Sue's in her office looking very distracted. We know what's on her mind. She's got an ache down under, if you will. Oh, um, that device, whatever it was she was working on, was ridiculous. Giant. What the fuck is it's that? Like, I, feel like it's, I feel like it's whatever predated the computer. Right. Like, it must have been just a word processor. That's and, what you call it. Maybe they were linked up where like an editor or somewhere else a copy editor could see what she had done. Like, I think that's an edit. You were saving files in like fucking DOS format. Like, and that shit I, was nuts. Yeah, it was like huge on the big, the big floppy disk. So Richard walks into her office. Richard is her boyfriend who we talked about previously. He walks into her office to show her the stories. The paper ran while she was away in Australia, which I guess, yeah, she hasn't seen. She apologizes for hardly realizing that he's there or what he's <laughs> talking about. Then he tells her that while she was away, he'd, he'd been thinking about making some concrete plans for the future. Mm. An older man suddenly enters the office and asks, are you building a freeway or proposing? This is Sue's dad, who was kind of jokingly busting her balls for globetrotting on the paper's dime. A lot has come into focus now, though. Yeah. Like, oh, she's exorbitantly wealthy. Yeah, that explains why she's able to be out globetrotting, doing stories that really have fuck all to do with New York. Right. Especially because she works for Newsday, which is like a smaller circulation type paper. She's a New York socialite who's been crotch groped by the allure of <laughs> slumming it with Crocodile Dundee. Um, it also may explain her swanky fucking office, like in the newsroom. She's got her own space, not in the pit with everyone else. Like she's got a big ass office. I don't know if she's supposed to be the star reporter or just the boss's she's daughter. She's the boss's daughter. She can't be that good. And I saw like one the, of the second boss's boy girlfriend. Right. I mean, it's kind of like she is nothing special. I feel like she's probably hated amongst others working for the no one for that, no one else at that paper likes her for definite sure yeah. so dad says there's a dinner gathering at quote the weekend house on sunday yeah they got that next level money he tells her you're coming uh-huh. and to bring crocodile dundee along so that i can meet him so we cut to sunday evening sue richard and mick are rolling up to a gigantic mansion in the limo where did where that house was pimping i've got where some, was it i've like, got some facts about that house out on long island connecticut i'll tell you so Ooh. the charlton family's weekend house is a fucking palace mick says it's like chateau style yeah, yeah it's giant so mick says i thought your dad sold newspapers Richard interrupts Sue while she's trying to explain. He's like, he sells a lot of newspapers. Yeah. That's a good line. Yeah. Gus, the driver who we've, who we've seen in previous scenes, like opens the door. So glad to see Gus again. Reginald Vell Johnson. It always, it always makes me comforted in these uncomfortable scenes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Gus's presence. Yeah. It's just like, Oh, thank God Gus is here. So, all of a sudden, as Wait, so di- Gus, he's the dad's like personal chauffeur. He's yeah. the family chauffeur. He's the or family or business chauffeur. Okay. He works for the family. So we hear dogs barking in the distance as they're getting out of the car. And Sue's immediately like she gets tense. And she's like, oh, hell, the dogs are out. Richard is like scampering, like trying to hurry Sue inside. Gus is hiding behind the limo door. Mick, however, is smiling and like turns to the pair of these dogs, these <laughs> Rottweilers as they're yeah. running up. And he busts out the old mind over matter Bushman's trick from the opening act and mesmerizes them. The dogs calm down. He was supremely confident that. Oh yeah. That, that works on gonna, all animals. Yeah, absolutely. As long as, yeah, as long as they're not people, but like he calms <laughs> the dogs down. He reaches down. He doesn't, I don't know if you saw that he didn't pet them. He reaches down and lets them smell his hand. Yeah. And he smiles. And I was like, that's a fucking expert move. You don't touch them. You just let them smell you. Yeah. Sue is lathered. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) Mick walks towards the house. Gus smiles at the dogs who then growl at him and he's like, never mind, fuck this. And walks like back around Dude, the long way around the car. Reginald Val Johnson is just a brilliant actor. He is. His facial His expression. timing, all that oh, type shit. He's so good. So inside the house, which looks like a museum and for good reason, okay. Nick meets 
the butler Simpson with the handshake that he picked up from the dude in the bar. So yeah, it's at this point that I did some research. The house was the weekend home in reality. The house was the weekend home of mining tycoon and financier W.B. Thompson. It's in Yonkers, West, okay. Westchester County. Which Where is, is Yonkers? Is that on north of the, the Bronx? So it's north. Of, it's like it's two, like mainland New York, two miles north of the island of Manhattan. So it's like if yeah. the Bronx, it's like northwest of Bronx. Okay. Um, and it's considered an inner suburb of New York City, according to the Wikipedia's W. B. Thompson lived in the house until his death in 1930. He left. This is amazing. He left $20 million of then money, which is $310 million in modern dollars, in a trust to his wife and daughter just so they'd keep living in the house. I'll leave you $310 million if you stay in the house. As opposed to what? Selling it to selling the house and moving new money or some shit? Like he put so much heart and soul into the house. I just want, I just want to know someone's living in the house. They lived in it 20 more years till they sold it to the archdiocese of New York. So now it's owned by the church. I think it was now. I think it's owned by a private group that like is trying to upkeep the house, like keep it it's up like and, a, and they do tours they and, that do type events shit? and tours and stuff. Man. Yeah. Awesome so at, at, one t- at one time it was a uh, school. It belonged to, I think Ithaca, College at one point. Okay. Or I, I, tried I own to, a college. I own a college. I tried to research that and I, I got nowhere. So yeah. awesome work. Thanks, brother. Yeah, I thought it was super interesting, especially with the fact that he was like, I'll pay you $300 million to live in the house after I'm dead. That's and amazing. Like, and they're like, okay. Yeah. And so, anyway, <laughs> so anyway, back to the movie. Simpson the butler says, everyone's waiting for you in the lounge. And then it turns out this is a big dinner party. Yeah. Uh, dad, um, wait, dad, I got a, I got a, a question for yeah, you. Yeah, man. Hit me. I don't know if this would fit with Dundee's character. Sure. But I found myself thinking like they could have done a thing where either Sue had tried to, you know, like put Dundee in a tux, you know, I like thought about that too. Put on a tux, you know, come try to fit into my world or, or if it was his idea, like, let me try to be the guy that I think that you want. You know, like I'm going to try to pretty woman myself or whatever. And That's very, very interesting. It would have been an interesting thing. I don't know if it fits with the character of Dundee who seems so confident in who he is that he doesn't change for anybody. Yeah. Like but I wonder, it would have been supremely, I think intriguing. Well, here's a, here's a question. If you knew you were taking someone to a formal dinner party, like this, which is mostly formal. It was I think, black tie, I think, wasn't it? I think that mo- no, I think that you would you would consider this to be like weekend resort wear. That's true. Fucking no Richard was, was wearing this kind of weird baby like, blue, like double wearing, breasted. He was wearing the the Jim Carrey or the uh, Jeff Daniels <laughs> tux from fucking <laughs> the powder Dumb blue Dumber. tuxedo. <laughs> so like, so it's not formal wear. It's like relaxed, like out on the. Out yeah, on the yeah, yeah. I get what where, you're saying. You know like, what I'm saying? Fucking Hamptons. So type it's shit. like, would you tell your guest who clearly isn't doesn't have that, that in his duffel bag? Yeah, he doesn't have that wardrobe. Would you say? Would you give him the choice? Hey, here's the style event. We can go get you some stuff. Are you comfortable wearing your own stuff? Because I'm comfortable wearing with you wearing your own stuff. Mm-hmm. And Dundee probably would have been comfortable. Like, I'll just wear what I got. Like as, this is as long as. Yeah, I, I think I just so think too. it would have been an interesting thing, especially, you know, as the scene plays out, if he's like, I'm trying to be who she wants me to be. And and she, you know, likes the other guy like I I'm just like going to be not his style. But no, I don't think he compromises himself. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. So um, Dad Charlton, he's ascotted, comes over, <laughs> greets the group and thanks Mick for saving his daughter's life. Mick says, buy me a cold beer and we'll call it quits. I love that. I do too. And and Dad Charlton seems equally uh, up to, like, he's like, yeah, that's badass. Yeah. So um, he takes him to meet some people. Sets him up with a martini. 
He's yeah. been Dundee's been on a steady he diet of martinis, martinis since he got to New York. Which I feel like for someone like him, it's just like vodka and a little vermouth. It's like that's nothing. Sure. An olive that he always discards, which is probably like more my style. Like I don't right. eat the olive. I love the olive. Um, so he's like, <laughs> so people are like, how are you finding New York? He's like, bit of a lunatic asylum, eh? That's why I love it. Because I fit right in. <laughs> Badass. It should be an obvious sign to sue that everybody loves Dundee. Like everyone loves this guy except for Richard. It's like either there's something wrong with Red Richard because he doesn't like him or not everybody likes Richard and everyone likes Dundee. Like he's a good guy and he's yeah. a dirt bag. Yeah. So Sue comes over, interrupts, and says she wants to introduce Mick to the senator. That's Senator Manley. Mm-hmm. Um, she reveals that the woman who Mick just met, Dorothy, sees a psychiatrist. And this then is a weird thing to mention. I but I guess from and this is something that I grabbed just from watching the closed captioning is that. Dorothy is Sue's dad's wife or girlfriend oh, at the shit. moment. I didn't catch that. He introduces her as this is my uh Dorothy. Ah. And so that's like his, his second boo, wife his, or his boo thing. And then <laughs> and then Mick kicks himself for the lunatic crack that he made because he didn't know Dorothy. I didn't realize she was crazy. I didn't know she was nuts. <laughs> and then Sue says she's seeing a therapist is no big deal. It helps to get things out in the open. But it just kind of put it in perspective who like Dorothy was or like dad's like second wife or, ah, whatever, or girlfriend or something. I, I certainly didn't pick up yeah. on that. So I love that Sue says like get like talking to a therapist helps to get things out in the open. Then makes like doesn't she have friends? Doesn't she have mates? Mm-hmm. And that I mean, that's some wisdoms. Talk to your friends, folks. Well, it's talking to somebody. Yeah. Talk to someone. Yeah. Right. I, I feel like this must have been the early days of. Like mental health therapy awareness. being like mainstream, like a movement. People seeing a therapist just for maintenance, you know. Yeah, not, you're probably right. Not because you had some type of a major problem right. or some shit. And Mick says, you know, in Australia, you just tell Walt, and then he tells everyone else, <laughs> and then you don't have a problem anymore. <laughs> Which is also, you know, it's, it's kind of awesome. That's great. But but yes, um, across the room. We see Richard mingling, being a total douche. Like, is this your sister? Tired, tired jokes. Richard sucks. Um, Later on, after dinner, which we surmise is after dinner because everyone's like getting their their brandy and a snifter. I thought there was pie on plates. Yeah, Yeah. pie on plates, uh, brandy and snifters. Richard clangs loudly on a glass and gets up and makes a toast to Sue's return. He offers a gracious thanks to Mick for saving Sue and for increased circulation of the paper. I don't know if this was a performance choice by the actor or or what, but it felt to me like Richard is sort of putting on an act, not you know, not speaking from the cuff, not like or not speaking off the cuff. Like it felt like very rehearsed. No, he. I don't know if that's because he'd been thinking about this. I think. Since I think he'd probably been thinking about it since before, before Sue and Mick back. came back. And exactly how I'm going to present myself soon, and what I'm going to say. I think that when he felt threatened, he was like, must speed up plan, must speed up operations. Yeah. I also thought it was just odd that they sat Mick far away from Sue, yeah. like among strangers. But we know he's like an extroverted, oh, I think probably, dude. He'll make friends. Probably but. Richard was like... Oh, you think Richard was behind that shit? Definitely. He contacted Dad Charlton and was like, put him down the table. They had like that cartoon type, the long table. Yeah. That you see. Like, I don't know that I've ever seen that. It's like some Batman, Bruce Wayne type shit. The extra long table with 40 people at a at a 20 person long table. Definitely. It's like comic book shit. So yeah, he slips the ring, he being Richard, slips the ring on Sue's finger without her giving an answer. Mick, we get a, a, a cut over to Mick who looks sort of like very disappointed. It's, it's, yeah, it's weird. She looked delighted at first, but then yeah, once, she's like smiling. Once the ring went on the finger, then I felt like she sort she, of, she looks uncertain. Like, oh, like, I, like she doesn't know how to look, but then Richard kisses Sue. Everyone claps. Mick tries to play it cool as Richard's yucking it up with Senator Manley and Papa Charlton. Sue and Mick are taking turns staring at each other, but mm. both are failing to make eye contact. 
Dude, that was like talk about getting your heart stomped on. I, for one, ugh. But also that Gross. moment was like heartbreaking, very and incredible to me. Like movies, movies in general, movies are amazing. I are they one hundred percent? How they can make, how they can tell a story and use music and shit to make you feel like passionate about the fact that no, these two people should be together. Like what the fuck just is like three quick cuts or two quick cuts between minutes. two people just looking at each other and you know what they're feeling. Yeah. It's Dude, crazy. I, that scene was just like, oh, I'm, I'm with you. My heart broke for both of them. 100%. I'm with you. So Mick rightfully ducks out early from the party and tells Gus that this time he's going to ride in the back of the limo. Mm hmm. To be alone with his feelings, yeah. one thinks. Um, he conspicuously removes uh, his knife from his waistband. We and, told him, like, you know, going to go back to the hotel, Mick? Yeah. But yeah, by way of a liquor store. Yeah, he's like, swing me by a liquor store on the way back. Hell yes. Hey, yeah, I'm That's exactly you. what's up, man. Yeah. That moment, like, just drink your feelings. But then who but <laughs> Reginald Bell Johnson slash Gus would say, hey, man, I got a bottle of scotch up here for you for medicinal purposes. Oh. It's a national treasure he is. Dude, he's got a knack, Val Johnson, of instantly being someone that you want to be friends with. I, I, I hope that we get to meet him in life at some point. I think it's like the smile in his voice. His voice is so warm. Yeah, he's amazing. So after we assume they've been driving around while Mick's been drinking. Well, he's driving him back from Yonkers yeah. or wherever there's meant long to time. be it's all like 40, the way back to 45 minute, A 45, 50 minute drive probably. Gus drops a wobbly Dundee right off in the heart of Times Square of all the places. I like the touch that Gus seemed hesitant. Yeah, to, he's like, he's like, like you, you be sure careful. Yeah, right, he's buddy? like, but, and then also after Mick gets out of the limo, like Gus is watching him. There's like, a long shot of him yeah. like, I don't know about Mick, yeah. because this is the one moment in the movie that we've seen Mick seem intoxicated. Yeah, he's vulnerable, like physically vulnerable. And, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so while Mick is walking around, he gives the last of the bottle to a homeless guy, which is stand up, but also <laughs> bad for the homeless guy's addiction. <laughs> yeah. So then he spots who he thinks is Simone, the hooker from earlier in the movie, but it turns out to be a different hooker. Like um, the earlier hookers, though, these two were also just incredibly yeah. gorgeous yeah they're fit well, yeah, i don't know how they, he's managed to find an empty alley like right off of Times square yeah, i doesn't that doesn't exist and i don't think i don't I actually don't have I don't any think, experience i don't in know that, that there's they they new york's done some shit they've in that cleaned, area they cleaned, I, like, I don't know that no, those alleys exist you've anymore. cleaned midtown that Midtown does not exist in this dojo, does it? It does not. It doesn't. Like that that 1980s Midtown, I don't think exists anymore. I think that the if there are hookers, they're operating on a much higher level. Like if you It's all probably internet based. Well, it's internet based and it's like you have to go to this bar and enter a code and that person's there or something happens. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm just saying like You know a lot. <laughs> I'm I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I actually don't. I don't. So at that point, a man turns the corner and it seems that the different hookers unfortunately have the same pimp that the earlier hookers had. <sighs> this and, is a weird moment to me. Yeah. Like, I don't know anything about pimping. Same. I, I know, it, what I I know it ain't easy. <laughs> <laughs> but I would think pimps have like an area, like a turf. And this area turf. is far from the East Village. Like, the, this dude's running shit here, too. He's all over it's the city. It's dozens and dozens of blocks north. Oh, yeah. It's a long and way. east. It's a long way from East Village. But yeah. maybe this guy's got it like that, because his stable of women is impeccable. Wait, where's the... I can't, I can't think of where Midtown is. Yeah, so it's... Midtown is north of East Village. Yeah, much. So, yeah, yeah. It's it's 20, 30 blocks away. So this guy is the guy that Dundee laid out earlier. He signals <laughs> the girls scram and two goons jump out of a giant Oldsmobile. And he says, well, if ain't the man that don't like bad fucking language in front of ladies. It's like, what's the matter, Aussie boy? You're going to hop away like a kangaroo? That is weird. They saved up their one F bomb for that moment. Yeah. No, no. As opposed to earlier. Yeah. But I think the, the, who, the, the Academy. 
Right. Well, no, the is that what it is? The uh-huh. MPAA. They might say like using fucking as a adjective versus referring to it as a verb is different. It is. And that totally is. That gets a PG thirteen, but that gets an you're R. Gonna, you're gonna talk to him or fuck him. You're you gonna talk to him or make it with one. Right. Of them. You can't say that. <laughs> so Mick, once again, decks the fuck out of this guy. <laughs> The goons that, that was amazing. Yeah, and just like lays yeah. him out again. Dusty is quick to punch somebody. Yeah. Well, I, I love it. You don't talk dirty in front of ladies. So the goons square up on him. He reaches for his knife, but as we know, it he left it in the limo. Ah, fuck. Then he pulls the. He tries to pull mm, the mesmerized move yeah. on one guy. Doesn't work. He sucker sucker punches that guy. <laughs> then the guys tackle Dundee to the ground and appear about to rough him up good. And even the pimp is like rushing in to like. He's like, I'm gonna tap dance on him. <laughs> when Gus comes out of nowhere in the car yeah. and hits the pimp. And a goon with the limo, like cracking, like breaking the windshield all the hell. I thought the goons were dressed really preppy. They were like wearing ties and like they well, looked the, like they were on their way to like a swing dance. They club. all looked very, um, very like jump jive and whale sort yeah, of. Yeah, like going some on. some big bad voodoo daddy that's, shit. That's exactly what it was. Something like. out of swingers. They were definitely like a black and white wingtips and some chain wallets, which is fine. <laughs> Just don't it's hit women pimp. or Is that hit pimp other attire? people. Pimp henchman attire? Pinchman. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what happens. It, Gus hits two guys with a car, which we hope they don't die. That's, then yeah, Gus is committing crimes. A, a but third guy makes a run for it. Gus jumps out, snaps off the boomerang-shaped antenna from the back of the car and slings it as if he had experience in this kind of thing. <sighs> Yeah. And takes the guy out from long range. You know this movie had to have like at least one boomerang gag. I was shocked that it didn't happen earlier and that it wasn't repeated, but then it was, it happened. So But since this moment, I've never been able to see an antenna like that on a on a car and not think about it, throwing it like one to break it off and throw it like a boomerang. Same, brother. Same. <laughs> not one time. And so Gus helps Mick up and he's like, Are you okay? Mick's like surveying Gus's handiwork with the antenna with great interest, sort of like he can't believe what happens. And he turns to him, he's like, you sure not with the Pitanjara tribe? <laughs> no, man. Harlem. And there's like a discrepancy. Warlords or warthogs? I can't yeah, tell. Neither one is. I grew up is always it thinking it was. Gang? I was assuming that was like a high school mascot or something. Maybe. But it's none of the above. Right. By my Google research. Yeah. So. And then. Mick's like, I knew you were tribal. Man, I feel Gus is going to have some questions to answer when he brings back the fucked up limousine. Well, with the, like, the broken out windshield and shit. Well, and I wonder if he probably knows the guy in the dead middle of the night to call and change like, a windshield. We can we can forgo a conversation of any kind because <laughs> the next morning uh-huh. out in Yonkers. He is. Putting that new antenna Putting on. Putting that new antenna on. The <laughs> and car. the windshield's been changed out, apparently. Yeah. No no calls needed to be made. It's all Me- off the books? Yeah. That's what I think. Meanwhile, Sue, dressed as Greta Garbo, <laughs> is placing a call to Mick's room at the plaza. Uh, at the plaza, the TV's cranked loud while Mick's brushing his teeth so he doesn't hear the phone ring. The movie that was playing was Major Dundee. That's awesome. Yeah, a little whatever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a reference. What, of wait, some what kind. was she calling for? What was she going to say I if think, he answered? I think, based on what we learn later, I think she was calling to we ask need him to talk. To, I think she was asking him to stay at the hotel. Hey, what are you doing this morning? Stay at the hotel. I'm going to be right there. Like we should have a conversation. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That That's I think a, I'm on the same page with yeah. you. She's like, I'm going to show up in some major old Hollywood silent era. You're going to cream your... And you are going to cream, cream your, your crocodile skin, skin pants. pants. Yes. <laughs> so hold on. Just wait on me. Um, unfortunately, he doesn't hear it. The woman in reception comes on the line and says, Mick's not answering. Oh, and also, he's going to be checking out today. We're sure going to miss him. A lot of weird shit for... For her to be, you shouldn't tell any hey, rando caller, although hey, they are paying the bill. Hey, Esmeralda. Okay. So Sue hangs <laughs> up looking very bewildered, disappointed, like, what am I going to do now? So Mick, we see Mick walking out of the plaza with his bag slung over his shoulder. 
The doorman, Irving, with whom Mick's now got a rapport going, uh-huh. asks if he's heading home. Dundee says, I'm going to go and walk about. Want to see the country. For how long? Long as it takes. That that's that's yeah. the dream, Kevin. That would have been a nice sequel, too. Cut? I don't know if it ends right then, but like, you know, if, if it ended differently, you could just say, let's see Dundee see the rest of the country. I love it. There's a lot to see here that been awesome. outside of New York. I Yeah, I would I would have watched it. I watched it anyway, but I feel like that would have been a compelling ending as well. Or if he just walked away from Sue. She might be bad news. Yeah. At uh, this point, we, do, we don't know what decisions have been made. So Mick asks Irving how to get out of the city fast. He wants to know, I need to get out fast. And mm-hmm. he says, you know, two blocks down is the subway. You can get to Grand Central Station. So... Mick walks off towards the subway. Moments later, the limo pulls up. Sue hops out, holding Dundee's knife. That's odd. Dad Charlton is in the limo with her and asks her, are you sure you know what you're doing? She says, no, but it'll come to me, which seems pretty cavalier. I feel like she must have had a heart-to-heart with her dad in the car about, I think I, I can't I, be I with it, Richard. I think it was the night before when Mick left she had a heart to heart with dad and then she had to have told Richard. She has to have told Richard Already? at this point. Or she's, a sack. I can't marry she, or she's a sack of shit. If she hasn't told Richard let, let by this if, morning, let me see if Dundee will, will take me first. Take me and then I talk. Yeah. Oh, and then like maybe he won't and then we're fine. That's <sighs> bullshit. No, I think that she woke up first thing, went over to her dad's room in the weekend house said, <laughs> To the hey, East Dad, Wing. I'm not feeling great about Richard. Here's what I'm thinking. And that he was like, well, go tell Richard and then we'll run to the airport or run to the plaza or wherever. In my recollection, so do you think, so when we saw her trying to call the hotel, she'd already broken it off with Richard. Correct. We hope. That is my assumption. If she's a decent human. She had once to Once the have. crowd left from dinner, she said, look, Richard. She pulled him aside. I maybe, care for you, maybe but. Maybe even that night, she pulled him aside over brandies and cigars and was like, you suck. I can't do this. <laughs> I bet she was had a little bit more. Uh, tact. Tact. Yeah, that's a great She was word. like, look, Richard. I care for things, you greatly, but. Things have. Things are great professionally. Sure. But you're not doing it for me in the down under region. <laughs> oh. So anyway. Oh, my God. So, yeah, um, she, yeah. the doorman's <laughs> like, run that way and you'll catch him. You better hurry. But she so she hands the knife to Irving and takes off <sighs> speed walking towards the subway before she breaks into a full run. And at this point, I it's like she's sitting there mouthing things. And it's like she all of a sudden remembered what walkabout meant and was like, oh, fuck. Like he's gone, 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 She's like, gone. yeah, like he's going to disappear. 18 months. <laughs> yeah, she's like, she, he's going to disappear for a, more than a year if I don't catch him. So then we see Irving, like, inspecting the knife to the horror of the guests, which is kind of <laughs> nice awesome. Laugh, yeah. yeah, it's a good, a good gag. We cut to a shot of Mick entering the subway station, then a, a cut back to Sue as she's, like, kicking off her heels and then, like, actually sprinting down the street. That's an image that's always stuck in my head yeah. of seeing the woman, like, barefoot running on the sidewalk full speed. Yeah. Um, at the station, Mick's working his way down to the end of the platform. Sue reaches the subway station where she's grabbed by some creep. And what the like, fuck was that moment? That I was so it's like, weird. It's like, why are we wasting time with this? Well, I'm just like, what is that dude doing there? Is he a perv? Is he just waiting to be a creep if the opportunity I, presents I said, itself? I was, like, I was like, this movie... This movie wastes no opportunity to depict New York as a wild and woolly place where people will grab you in any moment. And I guess that's not too far off in some respects, but it's like it paints a pretty dark, bleak picture of New York. It was an odd. It was odd as fuck. Yeah. The guy's like, hey, lady, where are you going? You want to if you want to play with someone? It was super aggressive. Super aggressive. She like. The bystanders are just standing watching, like to grab people and molest reaction. them. Reaction? Well, no, I'm saying like there were bystanders standing there just watching this happen. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. And they too. weren't doing anything. It's like someone would grab him, uh, grabbed him, and been like, "Get off him!" Hey, what, bro? Her. What the fuck are you doing, man? It was odd, dude. She she like needed in, need yeah. in the junk, and yeah. I swear these dudes who were working the newsstand 
were like just okay watching completely but, reactionless but that's the thing is like i think that is new york it's like they see that shit sort of happen in there like, it might be yeah. like oh yeah this guy he hangs out he does that every day yeah also i checked the geography of all this checks out okay um is there a see, station you can see behind her as she starts to go down into the subway like i recognize the monument that that is columbus circle okay and which is near about, the plaza that's yeah. a, about two blocks from the plaza hotel along nice. central park so they filmed it like somewhere in brooklyn in an in an abandoned uh well, that like was a, all around Central Park, but the interiors, yeah, 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 yeah. like it the, on the platform is somewhere right. in Brooklyn, right? Yeah. Um. So in the station, she spots Mick way the hell down at the end of the platform. She's like screaming for him, but he can't hear. I've never. There were more people on that platform than mm-hmm. could fit on a train. That was the only time I've seen that many people on a subway platform was in China, and it was it was. Like the subway system in China was a whole other planet from what it is in New York. People yeah. think people in New York are rude. Ain't never been to China. People in China <laughs> will fucking just like like mow you down. It's like so anyway, she yells his name, she gets nothing. She gives that hoot from Walt back at the uh-huh. at the lake. Still nothing. So finally she's screaming, she gets the attention of a, a Caribbean man. I looked him up. Um, he was from he, Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah, the actor, from Trinidad. Yeah. Like he had some credits in the eighties and nineties. He, I think he's apparently passed away at this point. Bummer. Um, he gets the attention of a construction worker further down the platform, who then gets Dundee's attention. So they tell him that the lady at the end of the platform has a message for him, and and it is, I think, yeah, I agree with your assessment. It's what one of the most romantic games of telephone ever. Like this scene, <laughs> this scene is amazing. Roger Ebert says that this scene would have been in like the most iconic scenes of all time had the chemistry between Paul Hogan and Linda been better. Bullshit. Roger. Yeah. He says, he says, he says it would have been better because he says it's perfect, but as it is, it's you, you remember it more because of the charisma of the other actors in the scene. I want to know who came up with this unorthodox idea. Like of how to end I hope this it thing. Was Paul Hogan it was so and his clever writers. and unique. Oh, yeah, awesome. that's what I'm saying. It had to be one of those three people who came. But it's like so. Like, what can we do? This like, hey, diff- fella, this the different. lady at the platform wants to talk to. You. What, what if she re- want? What if they're relaying it? What yeah. does she want? What do you want? When he said he was kind of aggressive, wasn't he? No. What do you want? What do you want? And she says, "Tell him not to leave. I'm not going to marry Richard." <laughs> I guess Richard knows this, and this is where I said Richard must know this by She's now. already had that conversation. Yeah. So she it's says, like, don't leave. She's not going to marry Richard. She's not going to marry Richard. Don't leave. I'm not going to marry Richard. <laughs> why not? I don't know. Why not? Like, why not? Then the, the, the Caribbean dude had become, like, all of a sudden very tender. Very like, sentimental. Well, yeah. why not? Yeah. Tell him I love him. I love you. I like, love you. Yeah. And the guy's like, I love you. I love you. Yeah. And yeah, Dundee's like looking around. Yeah, He's looking like, around she loves at people. Me. It's like, she loves me. He's like very <laughs> delighted about this. So the onlookers on the platform are amused. Dundee tries to make his way to her, but the platform's too crowded. So weird. we're jammed in here like sheep. Yeah. So he's like, he uh, Australian. So he tells the people around him, up, up, up. They lift him. And then he wades across the waters like Jesus standing on their heads and shoulders all the way to Sue. The people of New York are loving being walked on. That moment with the music swelling and everything. Yeah. It's so another one of those just like perfect movie it's moments. It's also awesome like during this whole sequence you can hear the didgeridoo in the background of the sound yeah. like of the of the soundtrack. It's pretty awesome. So once Mick finally makes it over to Sue, they exchange an epic embrace to the applause of countless thousands of New Yorkers. Freeze frame Roll credits. <laughs> number two box office movie of 1986. They were quick on that freeze and, and fade out, just like Raw Deal. They're like, we ain't got nothing else. That must have been the, an editing technique that was in vogue I think at that it moment. Was, yeah. But yeah, as you said, number two movie of 1986, right behind Top Gun. $129.5 million, and Kevin. 350 worldwide. Five. Amazing on like a $10 for, million dollar budget. For less, like, like, yeah. Less money than Raw deal cost. That's absolute insanity. So we went over the 86 box office at the end of our last series on Raw deal. Right. So if you want to hear about 86, we suggest you go check that out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, Paul Hogan, he he 
parlayed this into co-hosting the 87 Oscars. That's astounding. Amazing to me. On talk the wave about, of the success. Like, talk about charisma, folks. Think about think about the actor or public personality that you could think like comes out of nowhere to do something and then it has happened. Yeah. Like you seen like where a Russell Brand type has a moment. They come from nowhere and they're big and then they're gone. Right. Just as well, quick. And now he's sort of He's like the anti-Joe Rogan conspiracy theorist or something. Who Russell Brand is? Yeah, I haven't been keeping up with his shit on, at all. He's on YouTube, and it's like it's sort of a leftist-leaning podcast, but uh, it's like he's still like, question the science, question the science. And I'm like, fuck off, bro. Yeah, man. We don't need your voice in the conversation. You're not a scientist. Um, but yeah, the movie was nominated for Best Original Screenplay at those same Oscars. And did not take it home. Paul Hogan won a Golden Globe for Best Actor. Best Actor and, in a Musical or Comedy. And I didn't realize he, I didn't realize that, but I also, like, he was nominated, or he won a BAFTA, nominated for a BAFTA. I don't know that one. I don't think he won it, yeah. Yeah, I think nominated They probably don't sort theirs by genre. No, I think it's just like you won it or you didn't win it. He also fell in love with Linda Kozlowski, I guess, on the set during the production. Uh, They went on, she went on to become his second wife. Right. Um, His third marriage, though. He married the first woman, divorced her, and married her again. A year later. That's kind of crazy. That's a very, I feel like there's a Paul Hogan thing to do. (laughs) It kind of is, right? Yeah, he remarried that woman about a year after their divorce. It's not working. Let's get married. (laughs) So, but that second time he got divorced was apparently like very ugly and tabloid fodder. Uh, You know, he had been cheating. He had been with, he had met this woman on the set of his movie. It was like that Meg Ryan situation. Um, and it came right at the height of his fame, like 86. What was the Meg Ryan thing? Uh, she was married to Dennis Quaid. Remember that? And fucked around with Russell Crowe, like That's when they met it. on yeah. uh, Proof of Life. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Which was ironically a movie about all about how her character's husband had been kidnapped and Russell right. Crowe comes around and she's sort of smitten by him, but but realizes I have to be faithful to my husband. Yeah. Um, I can't just fucking run off with this dashing Australian. Right. Oh, shit, he's Australian. Oh, shit. <laughs> Fuck. They should sue Crocodile Dundee. Is Proof of Life Crocodile Dundee? It's a retelling. It's <laughs> More based, action, though. Yeah, right? Uh, um, that's amazing. Oh, shit. Maybe we should do a series about that. Just like uh, I love that to movie, back. to yeah, be honest. Um, but yeah, he married Kozlowski in 1990. As you mentioned previously, I think they divorced 2014. Yeah, sad times. He remains a megastar in Australia, like beloved. All the things he does are are a big deal in Australia. He's like there. I don't know who's the most iconic living actor. An elder statesman. Yeah, like a Pacino or a De Niro or somebody. I think De Niro probably is our elder statesman. He's probably right? like that type of dude. Then that's crazy. Or a Nicholson or somebody like. I haven't. When was the last time you saw Nicholson? Is he retired from acting? He doesn't really work anymore. Nuh uh. He must be getting to that point to where he's just like. Well, it's like Connery. When Connery went away and he's like, I just don't feel it anymore. Or Hackman. um, I saw awesome interviews recently with um, Robert Duvall and with. uh, Oh, you know what? Or Eastwood. Sonny Corleone. Con, Jamie Con. James Con. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel and like Eastwood's going to kick the bucket soon. Uh, yeah, I think he is probably too. I'm I saw not, those I'm trailers for that about, cry macho shit. Looks, and I'm just like, yeah, I this, just feel like he's so feeble. Is this your, this is like his like. going to be your last song? film? He's fucking 90 yeah. something years old now. Yeah, dude, he's up there mid 90s, yeah. I think. Yeah. I feel like Clint Eastwood's been playing the same crotchety old fuck for years, which is great because it's awesome. He's but good it's still at like, it. It's like, this is El Camino, but with a. Different Mexican secondary lead. <laughs> Shit. True. Also it's, true. It's the truth. He's not Hmong. He's uh he's yeah, he's Mexican this yeah. time around. Or the mule or a fucking million dollar baby. Uh, yeah, he's been doing that. It's been done, Clint. But you know. I hope he's finding himself though. Ah, uh, fuck. I'm gonna watch the shit out of it when it comes I, out. I'm I would curious. love to watch it with you because I would love to sit down and have some ob- objective. Did you watch the mule? No, I never saw Excellent. it. Excellent. Is it? Yeah, it's really it looked good. really good. It looks um, awesome. Uh, this move, back to Crocodile Dundee. All right. Fine. Okay. Hit it. The fucking quotation marks in the credits, quotation marks around Crocodile. 
strange. Apparently, that was like a weird touch that was in, the American distributors insisted. We got to have got to put quotation marks around crocodile so that the audience doesn't think it's actually going to be about a crocodile. What the fuck is going on in these meetings, high level meetings at studios? Well, what if someone tries to animate it? Fuck, I don't know, man. That reminds me. Okay, well, get out in front of that and say, don't animate it. I'm going to tell you a story that I hope makes you laugh. It will. Uh, it will. For sure will. <laughs> so on Back to the Future, originally the first draft, uh, Doc Brown's pet, um, Einstein, was going to be a chimp. Okay. That was, and, and they, you know, they turned the scripts into whoever it was, Universal, I think. Mm-hmm. Head of Universal is like, you got to get rid of the chimp. He's like, I've done the research. No movie with a chimp has ever made money. Like, what the fuck? How? And then they were like, well, what about those Clint Eastwood movies? The Any Which Way But Lucy's like, no, no, that's an orangutan. It was like, it was like, you fucking assholes. What's happening in these boardrooms that you're doing research on? Any, give me every movie that's ever had a chimp in it. First that, of all, Tarzan movies slayed. But that's, that's, that's <laughs> the thing is that these guys in movies, they look over at their secretary and they go, I need all the numbers on movies with chimps. chimps. Any movie that's ever had a chimp in the past 50 years, and bring me the box it. office. It's, it's there in an hour. Oh my God, that, that's amazing. Now, yeah, I will say, if, if, if Back to the Future had a chimp instead of a dog, that would have been fucking weird. Yeah, I like dog is a that's a good note from the studio because having a, him having a pet chimp would just be some not Michael cool. Jackson type bubbles shit would have been not cool and people would not like because no American has a pet chimp everyone can identify with a dog sure that's my dog that's going back in don't time. you get it he's eccentric he's got a chimp no that'd be fucking odd plus the dog was white and looked like an Einstein <laughs> Whitish, like wild hair. He was. He was dirty. He was yeah. dishwater blonde. <laughs> dishwater blonde. Dog. Uh, I I feel like this movie owes a huge debt to romancing the stone. Big time. It's like they sort of made a killing off that sort of romantic adventure story, which I don't feel like this movie happens if romancing the stone hadn't been a hit. Romancing the stone is an objectively better movie than this one. They're both, like, if you watch them, they're both one of those that you can watch and say, like, this movie is practically perfect. Yeah. Like, there's not anything you should really change. There's not a lot that you could do to improve this. Um, but, yeah, Romancing the Stone the is thru- strong. The through line of Romancing the Stone is much stronger because yeah. there's a reason for them to be on that quest. Whereas, there is Mick no Dun- there is Dun- no quest Dun- on Dun- this. is the quest. Yeah, finding the story of Mick Dundee and then transmitting it to the world is the quest. Like it's the love story he and is not the stone. much else. He's the stone. Sure, Mick Dundee is the stone. He is the MacGuffin. Yeah. Of this film, I guess. He's the jewel of the Nile. <laughs> the jewel of the Nile. <laughs> I both movies with kind of shit sequels, but I love them still. Um, yeah, I'm gonna watch them tonight. <laughs> A double feature starting at 1 a.m. I have to be up in six hours. Fuck us. Um, <laughs> the reviews to this movie were overall positive, but mm-hmm. there were some high-profile critics that hated it. Ebert among them. I he was thought it was shocked. middle of the road. Yeah, he, yeah, middle of the road, which I was sort of surprised by. He was serving like some stay-off-my-lawn vibes, like saying they made this kind of movie better in the 30s. Like, okay. It was it was very strange and it was I felt like it was incomplete criticism. It was like yeah. I saw it and I was like, well, meh. I don't know what movie he was watching though that he did not sense chemistry between I, yeah, I, Sue and, and Mick. Same. I wonder if they were doing the casting process and Dundee or I should say Paul Hogan was like Wow, me and this lady have chemistry. That's what we should base this casting on. And it, you know, was the the downfall of his marriage and everything. Like that, you know, you it sort of thirty ish years he and his wife, years or whatever. Yeah, yeah as long crazy. as Linda had been alive, long enough to yeah, have a son that was I older guess. than Linda. I think. Um, Yikes! It's odd, but uh, I, the last thing to mention, I guess, is as it was mentioned early on, I think by Mike. There was a real life dude mm-hmm. named Rod Ansel who claimed that, you know, I'm the inspiration for this character. 
Is he Frank Dukes? Uh, oh shit. He was a bushman. Okay. He was a he got stranded in the outback for like two months in nineteen seventy-seven after like his fishing boat sank. He wasn't attacked by a croc or anything okay. like that. Um, but he got 15 minutes of fame out of it when he when he stumbled back into civilization. Uh the only thing I'll say is there was a thing where he said, you know, they put me in a nice hotel, but I could only sleep on the floor, which I could say you stole that. Maybe, mm-hmm. um, you know, Hogan, Paul Hogan, he maintains that the character is an original creation, which I mean, you know, what's original anymore? Right. Like, what story can you tell that you people doesn't people bear a similarity to something? That same guy could watch Homeland and be like, well, that after that guy came home from being tortured, he slept on the floor. And that that was my story. So did Julius Benedict and twins. Yeah, exactly. He couldn't sleep it's on like, a mattress. I, I sleep on the floor. I only sleep on the floor. Money. Well, that's my story. Money. <laughs> God damn, she's hot. Yeah. Oh, uh, my God. Kelly anywho. Preston. Kelly R. Preston. You should have been in this movie. <sighs> should have been a great. She would have been way too yeah, young. Yeah, she would have been a great suit. <laughs> she would have been like 20. Ooh, or younger. Maybe. She would have been like 17 or something she's weird. She's only 17. Woo! Anyway. That uh, friends, the Fosters is talking now. Ow! <laughs> That's Crocodile Dundee. Did you I love it? We know movie. you did. I love the movie. This was this was an awesome blast from the past. This was it like was near and dear to my heart. It's an iconic movie for a reason because it for the most part ninety eight percent it holds up. Yep. Um, it's like a Back to the Future. It's like a Top Gun. I defy you not to like this movie. Like, it's just, there's nothing not to like right. about it. This movie, crowd pleaser, tells a great story. Yeah. Somehow it tells a great story in like 95 minutes. Yep. Super economical. How much shit happens in a movie that short? I love it. They kept it moving, but it doesn't feel rushed. No. It's, it's just it's like perfectly lo- it's paced. Lovable. Yeah. It's charming. Fucking brilliant film. For the most part. For the um, most part, it's charming. Yeah. And it's, it's just... An iconic movie of the 80s, of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And we hope you guys have enjoyed this recap. Um, we hope that you've enjoyed listening and following along. We hope you'll go back and revisit this as well. Watch as, it. Yeah. Go watch it and enjoy, enjoy it. it. <laughs> enjoy a Foster's while you do it. And definitely, or two. Throw or another three. shrimp on the barbie or whatever the fuck else you do. <laughs> uh, and then... Tune in next time. Thanks again to Mike for for coming and hanging out with us. Mike, we love you. Uh, And thanks for the last of the Action Heroes Podcast Network for hanging out with us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's sleepy time now. Yeah, we're super tired. Um, It's time to go to bed. But we love you, and we will be back. We'll be back.